1: Hello, welcome back to another episode of Zenith Podcast. I'm your host, Cesar Davila. This is where we explore culture, relationships, nature, art, consciousness, and the appreciation of life. I'm here with the returning guest, Flor Romero, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist, who's also my aunt. Hello, (laughs) welcome back.
0: Hello, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Caesar, for having me. Yeah,
1: you're a third-time returner. Yes. Yeah, you're the second one to be a third time.
0: Oh, okay. I'm special now. You
1: are special. You've always been special. (laughs) But yeah, so based off our last episode, which was over a year ago, you mentioned that you recently started private practice. Yes. How is that going for you?
0: It's going good. Uh, I mean, I do have my full-time job, so the private practice is on the side. Um, But I've been getting more patients and I'm really excited about that because it's, uh, it's exciting to have clients that, you know, want to get the services and seek the treatment out to really explore how we can help them.
1: Yeah. And then I just saw that you also recently just got like your own laptop for private practices, which is a yes. great investment because that's just a good, a good indicator that it's growing.
0: It's growing. Yay. Yeah. Just because, you know, legally, ethically, I want to practice well. So I bought a new one so that I could keep all my patient's charts there. I'm the only one that has a password. So just a new one to update it so that I can um, keep everything confidential too.
1: Got it. Apologies for the ringing in the back. It's a dog <laughs> scratching his own, his own collar. But yes. Yeah, so when people are looking for you, is it still through Psychology Today?
0: Yes. If you go to psychologytoday.com. Uh, you'll see an extensive list of therapists there for you to really go with pretty much anybody that you're most comfortable with. So the good thing about psychology today is that I do offer a free 15-minute consultation so that when uh, anybody reaches out, I, you know, return their call, ask for the reason for, well, the reason for seeking services, and then um, a 15-minute consultation to see If we're a good fit and if I feel like I can help you.
1: Awesome. Okay. And is there anywhere else people can find you at or is it just in psychology today if they want those private practices from you?
0: I just go through psychology today right
1: now okay mm-hmm. sounds good well yeah i mean thankfully it's growing i'm really glad you know it's, it's been a year since like since our last time so mm-hmm. you could use this as a time step maybe next time we record you don't have like you like slowly but surely is gonna be that full-time job for you which i believe that's the angle right
0: yes that is eventually what i want to do um you know but i'm a little torn because i love my current job i love what i do so private practice is an extension of my field and my practice but um, I love both. So I'm a little torn. I don't want to leave my current job. I really like it. It fills my heart. And now private practice, it's just, um, I think it's an extension. And I get to go sway a little bit more than just working with kids and work with adults, which is different.
1: It is very different. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, so the reason why I have you on today is because we're going to talk about a specific topic. You know, We're going to talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse in communication, in relationships. That This was created by a fantastic and incredibly smart person, a scientist called John Gottman, yeah. who's essentially been studying relationships for the past 50 years. He dedicated his life to it, and these are things that he noticed be that the four horsemen of the apocalypse essentially are four sets of behaviors that if people do, and become a pattern can inevitably doom a relationship yes yeah so you know since you are someone who whose job revolves around you know problem solving and helping people learn and grow within themselves and their relationships this might have like i thought it just would have been a good fit just to get your analysis on it get your just get your thoughts on this you know because i'm sure that this is something that people come across you know every day
0: Every day, whether you even realize it or not, these are just common behaviors for all of us. We're human, and humans have reactions and feelings and emotions. And so these are things that I think anybody can relate to.
1: Yeah. And like, that's the crazy thing about communication studies that they're very common concepts where people very much understand, you know, what's going on. It's just the. Awareness factor that communication studies allows me and allows us to put names on things so that they become easier to acknowledge. Right. You right. know. So yeah. So the four horsemen of the apocalypse are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And we're and what we're gonna do today we're gonna talk about all four of these uh, of these uh, patterns, as well as what are the antidotes and what are some examples and our thoughts behind it. Mm-hmm. So the first one we're gonna talk about is criticism. Criticism is the first for, um, first horseman in, in the apocalypse. It's about criticizing your partner, um, which is different from giving a critique or a complaint. Criticizing is basically attacking the base personality and like the base of the person rather than what the action is.
0: Right. Like it's an attack on your partner or, you know, not necessarily even your partner. Let's broaden this a little bit on the other person that you're interacting with it could be a mother a father a child a friend, friend. Yeah. so it's an attack on the other person at their core um the core of their character so uh let's give little examples
1: yeah so i mean like you know one thing we could talk about is the difference between what is a criticism and what is a complaint because it it, it could very much be the same thing it's just all on how you're framing it and how you're wording it you know so a complaint would be like if, for instance, if someone, uh, you know, that it, I, I'm just gonna give you the example of the complaint. So you could say something like, I was scared when you were running late and didn't call me. I thought we agreed that we would do that for each other. And that's a genuine complaint. You know, that's mm-hmm. something that the person did that you didn't like and appreciate. But And you're
0: just voicing your reactions.
1: Exactly. Okay. And in criticism, though, you are, this is how it sounds. You never, th- you never think about how your behavior is affecting other people. You don't believe. I, I don't believe you are that forgetful. You're just selfish. You never think of others. You never think of me. And uh, one of the big indicators I notice in a complaint and a criticism is shifting the perspective of you to me. Because mm-hmm. when you're criticizing, it's always you, 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 you. Right. When in complaining right. is more of like, you know, this is how I feel. You know, I thought this, you know, like right. I feel this.
0: Right. And just in general, I think in conversation with just about anybody in my own personal life, if I am hearing a person out and they're already coming at me with like, you do this, you do that, you you you, I'm already kind of shutting off because I'm like, Ugh, like they're just complaining, you know what I mean? But if a person comes to me, even if it's an uncomfortable topic for me that I don't want to listen to, but they're coming to me with I statements, I'm going to sit and listen because I'm not feeling attacked. So I'm going to still be part of that conversation and hopefully find a resolution. But I'm not they're not coming at me with a you did this and you make me feel this. So it's different.
1: Yeah, I mean, it like it's it's. And it's really interesting how, you know, as we get into all of these patterns, they kind of intertwine within each other. You know, they affect one another. It's kind of a spectrum rather than like a switch that's on and off, you know. And it could be something so simple as changing your wording. But but that also is stemmed from and affected through like learned behaviors, you know, like how did you grow up? You know, because if you grew up with someone who's always constantly attacking you rather than telling rather than like, you know, um Rather than engaging into a situation, right, you know, based off of what happened, the situation, the outcome of it, you're going past and you're going deeper into, yeah. like, you. Yeah. Like, what is the problem with you?
0: Right. You're already bringing other things into a simple conversation. Yeah. The first topic might actually be missed because you're just, you, 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 you that it's just bringing other things now into that simple conversation. And, um... You know, I think in therapy, that's where I think it's important to assume that, you know, you might be having a relationship like this. Don't assume that it's doomed to fail. That's where therapy comes in. And that if you are critical or if you feel the, you know, somebody is always criticizing you, these are some of the reasons why it's good to seek Treatment, because then we explore other ways and other tools to effectively communicate better.
1: Yeah, no, and exactly. And what we're going to talk about now is an antidote to criticism. This is something that you can do if you're aware of. Just practice on a daily, you know, or just being a knowledge of it and having the awareness of it can go a really long way. But essentially, the antidote to a criticism is a gentle startup. You know, a complaint focuses on a specific behavior, but criticism attacks a person's very character. The antidote for criticism is to complain without blame, to use soft or gentle startups. So avoid saying you and instead use feelings like I, you know, because that changes the framing of what you're trying to say. You could could literally say the same thing just in a way where you're not attacking the person. You're just making your feelings... Heard and validated.
0: Right. So then let's say, for example, um, you know, for criticism, you say to somebody, um, you know, you are so selfish. Uh, You're always talking about yourself. That's your complaint. Right. The antidote is in saying the same thing is. I'm feeling left out by our talk tonight. I feel that you talked about X, Y and Z still saying the same thing but just in a different way where the other person isn't going to feel all that criticism but you're still sharing your point across clearly
1: yeah and you know the reason why criticism is the first horseman as well is like because it can become like a gateway to these other horsemen like the other four horsemen which can eventually like and will eventually lead to the doom of relationship. And by the doom of relationship, sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean the end of relationship. It just means that it no longer becomes a healthy relationship. It becomes a toxic relationship, you know. And that's something also that I think people need to be really mindful of is how are the relationships.
0: And then also just one last point on criticism. You know, when you are critical or when you attack a person in that way, you know, know that there's a lot of emotions in play happening in that conversation. So the person that's being criticized is feeling assaulted, rejected, hurt. Um, You know, it's, these are normal emotions that are going to come when a person feels attacked. So even though on the surface, you're having this conversation, words are powerful. And so, you know, think about how how about how, what you're saying and how the other person is going to perceive it? And that's why we're back at square one, the I statements for criticism. If there is one thing we want to leave you guys with is I statements. That is the antidote for criticism so that you could share what you're feeling and how it's making you react a certain way.
1: Yeah. And you brought up a great point in which sometimes these heated discussions turn lean into emotion. You know, and there has Absolutely. to be a balance with with ration, there has to be balanced with logic and when you're using these I statements, you're like you're creating a perspective that they are trying to understand, you know, rather than you putting everything on them, which right. you know sometimes they might even been they might not even notice or acknowledge, you know, like or even be aware of what they're doing. But if you're saying it like in a way where you're attacking them using your emotion, they're not going to be able to respond logically because you're not responding. You're not
0: communicating you're not- logically. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And like, there has to be a balance between logic and emotion. And that's when the I statements like come in place because right. you using the I statements, you're trying to rationalize how you feel and making sure they understand that, mm-hmm. you know, because you're using you statements it usually leads more into an emotion heavy like encounter and
0: using the you statements i think is the easy way to go
1: is you're shifting blame you're not really yes. putting any acknowledgement with yourself because right. even like like what if your point might not 100 percent as uh, not it's not a good word to use valid but maybe if instead of you saying you 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 this you this if you switch it and say it out loud like oh i feel bothered that you're always hanging out with your friends mm-hmm. you know Think about that. Why do you feel bothered about that? You know, right. that's not like that might not be also like that. That also leads to you being able to understand yourself better, you know, because that's something that's that should be part of your goal in any relationship. Not, not just to understand the other person, not just a better the relationship, but also how can you improve yourself? How can, Like, how can you understand yourself? If you know how you react, like, you know, make sure that you know what follows that, too. You know, like what leads to that?
0: Right. So just a little more self-insight so that you can make sure you, you, you know, just uh, relay your feelings acro- across clearly with those I statements.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, now going the next of the four horsemen booklets which is contempt, which, you know, just before recording this, uh, Flora, you said this was the most interesting to you. Right. And we yeah. actually found out that this one can be the most deadliest as well. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so contempt has, is a second horseman in, and it, it's about how we communicate. So when we communicate in this state, our intentions are to be truly mean. We treat others with disrespect, mock them with sarcasm, ridicule, call them names and mimic or use body language such, such as eye rolling or scoffing or scoffing. Mm-hmm. The, the target of contempt is made to feel despised or worthless. And so
0: contempt goes far beyond criticism. While criticism attacks your partner's character, contempt assumes a position of moral superiority over another person. Um, And I think the reason why this was, uh, I think it stood out for me, is because I think as humans we do have some core principles that we live by, whether you're aware of your core principles or not. For me, one of my core principles as a human being is self-awareness, and part of that self-awareness to me is treating other people with respect. So I don't mean that just in my relationship with my husband. I mean that in my relationship with coworkers, friends, patients, family. um, I treat others with respect. You know what I mean? Yeah, I
1: mean, it's having integrity of yourself, you know, and making sure that, you know, like the energy that you give out to this world, to this universe is going to eventually reflect back to you. You don't want to surround yourself with this type of energy because eventually it's going to just consume everything. And something that's so interesting about contempt is that researchers have even shown that couples that are engaging in contempt continuously can develop infectious illnesses like colds and flus because it literally weakens their immune system. Imagine being in such a toxic situation where just just these interactions you have with the person can make you physically ill. It's like, that's super dangerous. And it's crazy how there's a physiological response to this. Like, that's Absolutely. something that's mind-blowing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, think about it. Another example is when a person goes through depression. Yes, you you have, you know, you you may look, well, you know what? You may or may not look depressed to other people. A person that's depressed doesn't always look depressed to other people. But the reason why I bring this up is because it does have a link, again, towards our body towards how we function, people that have severe depression sometimes can't get up from bed. The lack of energy, the lack of just wanting to really engage and um it could be very dangerous, so it does definitely affect how you interact with other people as well
1: yeah, totally I mean even with like with depression, you like literally physiologically have a imbalance of chemicals that's being released in your brain, you know so it's going to change your behavior and how like you interact with others. And it's just really something to be mindful of. And one of the ways uh, an antidote for contempt is actually to be mindful is to build a culture of appreciation and respect, you know, and that's essentially the core of it is the way I see it is kind of like treat others the way you want to be treated. If you want to be respected, if you want to be taken care of, you want to be like validated and, you know, felt important, you need to do the same you know it's like we mentioned before with insanity you can't Mm -hmm. do the same thing and expect some like a different result right you know and if you're and if you're constantly going into this contempt pattern it's not really going to end well because like this is essentially the biggest indicator to how to a failed relationship
0: and let me break it down so contempt it could either be you're the person that's sometimes genuinely mean where when you are really upset in the middle of an argument, you start attacking, you start going towards that person's core principles, core really hurt them. You know, you know them best. So you know what you can say and the words you can use that are really gonna destroy them. You know what I mean? There's people that do that.
1: Like so, they, like sabotage. Yes.
0: So you could be the person within the contempt that is the mean person, or you could be the other person that is receiving that meanness, you know what I mean? So um, contempt from comes from a place of superiority and makes the other feel inferior. So deep down, it stems from a sense of feeling unappreciated and unacknowledged in the relationship. It can take the form of verbal or nonverbal language, which can include sarcasm, mockery, or facial gestures. So these are just very few examples Um, of how contempt can be seen within that conversation
1: yeah and it's really like a gradual one where you know baby steps can either lead to contempt or baby steps can lead to like steer away from it you know and if you're being appreciative uh it's just being baby steps you know like even if it's little like a little thing like hey like thanks for making me coffee today i appreciate it you know like hey like thanks for texting me that you're gonna be home late i appreciate it you yeah, know, that's
0: that's like it's just really creating a positive environment right, around you. Right, within that relationship.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. if your appreciation is not being reciprocated, that should be something that would should lead you to reevaluate if that relationship is really benefiting you and healthy cuz if you are trying to be positive but there's no reciprocation, that's another thing to be knowledgeable like hey like, you know, I would really appreciate if you tell me like if you reciprocate this energy right you know because it's not that hard and it's not that hard in the long run in the like it's just really difficult to be mindful of it you know to like if you're someone who isn't really someone to verbally say like hey thank you i appreciate it it's gonna be hard to start getting that pattern it's very hard
0: if you're not used to it and i think a lot of things come into play with that culture family you know even my own mom like i love my mom and I know my mom loves me. My mom shows her love to me by, let's say she comes to my house and she visits. If she sees a dirty dish in my sink, my mom will immediately start washing it. And I have to be the one to tell her, no, 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 leave it there. We're okay. But again, my mom has a difficulty in expressing words. Now that she's older, she's learned over time and knows the importance of words and so she started verbalizing i love you with not just you know those actions i mean those actions are the way that she shows me too it's her form too. of
1: love yeah it's a love language right yeah right
0: so it's just interesting you know what i mean but
1: yeah i mean like also love languages is really like i'm really happy that you brought that up because that's that's really important also with showing your appreciation Because you don't need to verbally say, hey, I appreciate it, you know. You could show your appreciation through the love languages of the person that you're talking to. Because I believe there's five different love languages. So the five love languages are gift-giving, quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, and acts of service. You know, so for this example, Mm -hmm. my grandma, your mom, Mm -hmm. her love language is acts of service. Right. You know, like she also with me when i was a kid like she would like she cooks for me like she'll like help me with Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that's her way of telling me she loves me i never really heard her say she loves me right but i always knew right and that's because that's how she like that's that's how she gave it me personally my love language is more of quality time and physical touch Mm -hmm. i'm someone who gives hugs yes who tells you i love you yeah you know but my sisters do not like giving hugs you know they're cool (laughs) they're their love language is different from mine right, so right. me showing appreciation to them it shouldn't be me giving them hugs it should be me like getting them, like buying them coffee buying them food like right, they right. or acts of service hey you know like i
0: that's their love language and that's how they receive it
1: exactly right yeah so, so by so
0: you doing your lo- love language of hugs and telling people i love you it's great but you know, the other person would appreciate their love language. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like
1: your love language is in everybody. So, you know, like if you're, if the person who you're talking to also, like, if they don't really understand that you could tell them that, you know, that's a really healthy conversation you could tell like you could have with someone saying, Hey, like what do you like? What don't you like? Right. You know, if okay. you like me telling you I love you, you, like me telling you stuff, let me know and I'll start telling you stuff. If okay. you don't really care about words, if you like better when I hug you, tell me that. Yeah. If you don't really care about hugs, but you like, you really appreciate it if I get you food or if or I get if you I, flowers. if I wash your car. If I wash your car. Out of the if blue, I f- Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, let me know. Mm. Like, that's how you start creating a really stable and healthy relationship once you yeah. start knowing the other person you know it doesn't like and it doesn't need to be a partner it could be a friend Absolutely. it could be a family member no, not again. at all like it's just so simple but it takes a lot of mindfulness
0: yeah self-awareness and mindfulness and that's hard to do because it takes time and you know what even before time it takes the wanting to even find out effort the effort because if you don't really care for it there's no point in in working towards finding what your love language is or if you're one of the four horsemen if you have any of those traits or characteristics it's really the wanting to do some of that self-insight to be able to you know just manage the way that you function and relate to other people better what i do want to mention before we move on to the next horseman remember right now we're still talking about contempt the last thing that I want to say is that contempt is the single greatest predictor of divorce. It must be eliminated. So this number two, the contempt out of the four horsemen, it's the number one leading um, predictor of divorce that remember we talked about contempt being when a person is generally mean towards the other person. So imagine if this person is generally mean towards a lot of the arguments that you're having over time, man, that could really be debilitating. So uh, this is, again, you know, a good reason to seek out therapy so that we can uh, try to work through this because there is other ways to work through this. It's yeah. not all doom.
1: Yeah, and, you know, like definitely putting the effort to go to therapy and get it checked out is, is one of the biggest steps towards you like actively trying to get better because also you might not even know that you're contempt that you're doing these patterns. Right, you know, right. like you might not even know that like you are like kind of spoil like not spoiled like in materialistic but like your soul is a little spoiled where you're always thinking half glass empty. You know, right, like right. you're you're like there's a really Like, there's a really sneaky aspect with these things that there's no visible indicator. You can't see it. Yeah.
0: And sometimes it'll sneak up on you.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, definitely that's something uh, just to be mindful of, you know, like, because like, like she said, it's one of the, it's the number one indicator for divorce.
0: And let's just even spread it out a little bit. Yeah. Divorce was the example that I gave, but this could really, you know, be uh, something that could really affect once again, we're opening it to all relationships between a brother and sister, you know, between a an aunt and a nephew. You know, family is so important. So
1: yeah, I think family like definitely suffers a lot with this because you grow up with your siblings. They know your ticking points. They know how to hurt you. Yeah. And if this is something that you guys do, like just evaluate. Like, is that the best way you want to handle the situation? Right. Get each other like riled up and pissed off to the point where you guys don't want to talk to each other anymore. Right. Right you know right. but it's all on a matter of being mindful it's really and it's really hard because once you catch yourself like you know it's so much easier said than done to Absolutely. think before you say stuff think before like you speak yes. you know if you're gonna say something mean don't say it at all yeah. it's really hard but in time with practice you know like that's how you get better because i i honestly feel when i was younger i would used to do a lot of, i used to be really like frequent with contempt like just kind of being sarcastic and mm-hmm. being mean mm-hmm. and like making fun of it and i didn't think much of it but then right. uh like you know with my mom for example uh just like she english is a second language for her so she has an accent sometimes i'll make fun of her accent yeah, as a joke i didn't yeah. mean to hurt her feelings but there was one day where she kind of like she cracked she was done like she told she told me she's no longer gonna speak english to me ever again because she hates the way i always make fun of her i'm Mm like whoa 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 like
0: (laughs) you're like wait what what like
1: like i didn't know that's how you felt you know like like you should tell me like if you know if 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 my corrections and if the way i tell you like if if a way like if i mimic a word you say just because it's like funny the way you say it you know but and hurts your feelings though like tell me i don't want to hurt your feelings i'm just trying to like poke fun right you know, and
0: that's the thing where you again, you you were just poking fun the way she perceived it was not fun. it was hurtful. And so a learning lesson for both parties here in regards to mom could have said it a little sooner so that she doesn't erupt. you know what I mean? Just hey, no, I don't I don't like it when you do this. stop, you know, or um you know like how she did it with you where at least she was honest about it and she made you aware of like hey don't do that and then
1: when she told me i deeply apologized because my intentions weren't to hurt her feelings you know like but that's how she saw it and you know after that i stopped yeah it was just me being mindful like oh like i'm not gonna say anything anymore because i don't want to hurt her feelings and she speaks to me in english now (laughs) you know like which you know it was just like just simple things you know like communication really is important but also the way you communicate, which is going to lead us to our third right. horseman, which is defensiveness. Defensiveness is, is t- typically a response to criticism. We've all been offensive, and this horseman is nearly omnipresent when relationships are on the rocks. When we feel unjustly accused, we fish for excuses or play the innocent, the victim card so that our partner or whoever will back off. And yeah, like it is very much, you see this everywhere people like get defensive they play um a good antidote is like if you play uno you play the reverse card Mm -hmm. oh let's go back to you like you know like yo i do this you will you do that Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. you're not taking accountability for things that are you're saying
0: the problem um the problem is you yeah right
1: no 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 yeah yeah like i'm not the problem you're the problem right like you know like why and why do i need to take responsibility or acknowledge this if you play part of it
0: and that's the victim role yes you know and unfortunately this strategy is almost never successful um it's just not going to work over a period of time if you're constantly playing the victim and not taking any responsibility
1: yeah because it's a lack of accountability like there is A point where you must acknowledge that you're not always right, you know, and sometimes that happens in these conversations with people. Yeah, they might be criticizing you, you know, they might be attacking you, but that doesn't mean you need to just play the reverse card saying, Well, like it's not my fault, it's your fault too, you know, because if you're if they're attacking you, even if they are using criticism. And if they're and they're not acknowledging you in the in a healthy way, if you respond in a way like, you know what, you're right. You know, sometimes I don't I forget to message you that I'm going to be late and I'm sorry. Right. You know, it's like it just uh, yeah, like it's definitely. Um...
0: So let's give an example for okay. defensiveness. So example, uh, a wife is asking a husband Hey, did you call Sheila to let her know that we're not going to come? Um, we're not coming tonight. Uh, you know, as you told me, you were going to call them this morning. And then his response is, I was way too busy today. As a matter of fact, you know how busy my schedule was. Why don't you just do it? So, you know, this partner is responding a little defensively. Um, but not only that, they reverse the blame in an attempt to make the, it the other person's fault. Like, wait a minute. You knew how busy I was today, so why didn't you just do it yourself? Instead, a non-defensive response can be, oops, gosh, I forgot. You know what? I should have asked you in the morning to do it because I knew how jam-packed my day was going to be. My fault. Let me call them now or, you know, something like that.
1: Yeah, you know, it's just... I think the tricky part with defensiveness is that it may sometimes play with people's ego, you know, that like because they need to take accountability and sometimes it's their fault. And people not doing that um, leads to problems, you know, such as because this is a problem. Eventually, if you keep being defensive, it's going to become a problem because like when are you ever going to like there's there has to be a point where you must accept accountability accept defeat accept that you were wrong
0: and that's hard you know what i mean to accept that you were at fault for something like if i was you know rude about something it takes it takes a minute for me to take a step back and be like oh man that was messed up i shouldn't have done that um and that's hard to do sometimes because not a lot of people can own up to their mistakes and more importantly depends on the type of of situation that you're dealing with is it something simple or is it a core principle of your being so if it's a core principle that's when it hurts and that's when it's really hard to step up and say I was wrong about that um so it's not easy definitely definitely not easy
1: yeah it's also definitely not easy if like you're the only one who's doing that as well
0: yeah that's that, yeah it has to work both ways
1: yeah And it's difficult to do that because that leads that has to make both people feel vulnerable, you know, and.
0: And being vulnerable in any relationship, it's scary because you don't know what the other person is going to do with that. Are they going to be respectful about it and meet you halfway and also be vulnerable? Or are they going to make fun, poke at it or take advantage of your vulnerability and not really be present for you? You know what I mean, and that would suck, but 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 if that were to happen, you could still walk away with the your head held up high that you tried. Hey, you know what? I did what I could. I tried my hardest, and with this person, it just didn't work. But I tried.
1: Yeah, I mean, and also that kind of plays a plays into how you manage and like deal with conflict. You know, Mm. like someone because like literally, defensiveness is a conflict management strategy. You know, that's some ways like sometimes you do have to stand your ground. Yes, you know, there absolutely. is there is times and places where you have yes. to stand your ground. But yes. there's also times and places where you need to understand that the other person is valid and like they have a valid point. And if you do not want to escalate it to the point where it it becomes like, you know, critical and it becomes something like, you know, like blown out of proportion, you know, yeah. it's just taking, like, it's a small battle that you got to lose to win the war. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And remember not to play the victim. You know, we don't want to play the victim in when we're being defensive.
1: Yeah. Honestly, also, that like, if that's all that you do, it gets annoying. Yeah.
0: That, it becomes yeah, extremely absolutely.
1: predictable. Because, like, then, like, what's the point of me confronting right, you right. about any issue what's the point? if you're not right. going to, like, acknowledge it?
0: Right. If you're never going to acknowledge it, then the other person's at that point to a certain extent they're going to give up on even trying to acknowledge it with you
1: yeah and And, that's when the doom relationship yes happens doom
0: relationship once again and being the victim almost never is successful
1: yeah yeah it's it's oh my god i i totally understand now we're gonna go into our final horseman which is stonewalling stonewalling is usually a response to contempt it usually occurs when the listener withdraws from the interaction shuts down or simply stops responding to their partner rather than confronting the issues with their person with the partner or family member or friend people who stonewall can make evasive maneuvers such as tuning out turning away acting busy or engaging in obsessive or distracting behaviors Mm -hmm. and it takes time um like that's something that's so interesting that uh that you notice as well that this is something that Happens overnight, but it takes time. It's a long-term effect, you know, based off of your experiences. You know, it's a pattern that is inevitably created through time.
0: Right, so it takes time for negativity created by the first three horsemen to become overwhelming enough that Stomali becomes an understandable out. So let me explain this part. It takes a lot of time for a person to be dealing with the other three horsemen in order for them stonewalling to step in and become an understandable out. Hear this out. Understandable. That's a key word. Because that means the person, man, they, they've tried. And like you said earlier, there's no point with this person to try to, if they always act the victim, that now they're doing this as their, um, you know, uh solution
1: it's kind of when the ticking time bomb finally explodes and like this becomes a rational solution right
0: right but when it does it frequently becomes a bad habit and unfortunately stonewalling isn't easy to stop it is a result of physiolog of feeling physiologically flooded and when we stonewall we may not even be in a physiological state where we can discuss things rationally
1: Yeah. And like when you say that, I kind of think of, you know, what if like people can genuinely feel like, you know, like anxious, you know, like 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 a panic attack where they cannot respond, they cannot breathe, they cannot think, you know, and like they like they physically shut out because mentally they're overwhelmed.
0: Right. Right. So that's that's exactly what it was describing here where you're physiologically flooded. And that's when you stonewall.
1: And the and I I feel one of the reasons why it's so hard to get that like to to reverse that pattern is because you know like the antidote to this is to like try to take time to take a break in between these intense moments. If you're having mm-hmm. an intense conversation with someone, right. and if you realize it's going nowhere, it's probably not best to continue that conversation. Right. But right. how do you end it?
0: Right. You know, and, and not only end it. It's important to read the cues when you're in it. When you're feeling physiologically flooded, what does that mean to you? Does that mean, yes, you're feeling anxious? Does that mean my hands are sweaty? Does that mean my heart palpitation is faster? Does that mean that I'm getting starting to get a headache? So what, what are your symptoms right in the midst of the middle of this conflict? And sometimes, yes, you know, for stonewalling, It's better to maybe take a 20 minute break, step away from the conversation and then come back to be able to try to problem solve it and smooth it out a little better. But in order to be able to take that time to step away, that means you have to be conscious of the fact that you are feeling physiologically flooded. And some people in the midst of that, you know, discussion aren't even self-aware that they're feeling flooded so that's where that self-awareness comes in in order for you to then be able to you know um what's the word when you uh speak up for yourself and take care of yourself and to then come back and continue that conversation
1: yeah and i think like that's why it's so hard to change a behavior because like how do you do that if you're already physically like unable to respond to this person how do you stop them and feel like hey like like, I can't do, I cannot do this right now. Right. You know, right. like, I like, please give me some time, go on a walk. Like, how does that ever, how, like, it's, it's, it makes total sense in your head if you think, how would that even end up good? Right. If you are, if you end a conversation or take a break on a conversation that the person, other person feels is necessary to have, how is that healthy? You know, like, it, wouldn't it rather, make more sense to you to sit this through but it what's the point of you sitting it through if you're checked out
0: and sitting it through with the other person that's appropriately engaging in the conversation i think what i meant by this was having that little step away that 10 15 minute to clear your head when it's not getting or going anywhere
1: yeah like when when it becomes repetitive I, for me that's what, something I noticed that uh I try to do when when I'm getting in a really intense really uh, really intense conversation is that once I notice that there's no progress being made right, once right. there's repetition like the like there's no progress like like what's the point of us like yelling at each other and like arguing if we've already set all of our points right you know Right. and th- and that's when I use an indicator. All right, like chill. We've mentioned this. You mentioned this. Like, is there any other things you want to talk about? If not, let's chill. Like, mm-hmm. let's go on a walk. Go sit down. Do your thing. And let's talk about this when we're both rational. Because by that point, it's just emotional. Right. You know, you're not thinking right. rational. You're just you're just saying anything that's in your and that's in your head, in your thoughts, in your heart. You know. And I
0: think an important point that you mentioned earlier was that stonewalling, stonewalling. Was uh, higher in men.
1: Yeah. It's about 80% in heterosexual relationships are men. Who so
0: I think as women, sometimes I don't know how many women that are listening to this can relate to that in regards to having a conversation with your partner and then your partner just walking away or not, not, you know, it's checked out, checked out, yeah. not really being in that conversation. That is stonewalling. So, um, you know. Then it's just a matter of the per, the other person. In this example that I'm giving, it's the the other guy. If you're a woman and the guy, um, you know, just saying, "Okay, I need the 10-15 minutes," you know, walk away. But just to even say that is important. Hey, I need to, instead of just mid-sentence step out. That's yeah. not what we're saying here. <laughs> you know, we're saying verbalize. Hey, I need 10-15 minutes. Step out, then come back and try to do a redo or a refresh so that's not as emotional but i think that's something that a lot of people can relate to
1: yeah i mean it's it's just you know if you already if you already have trouble confronting the situation you know i just i i empathize and i understand the difficulty of once you're already in it why are you going to like pause and prolong this conversation it
0: just sucks like who wants to come back to that
1: yeah who yeah like like this is already a difficult conversation (laughs) and it's already and it's becoming heated like we need a break but like but when like when would that opportunity come back again you know it's 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 really really complicated and we understand this but You know, it's always good to at least be mindful and be aware of what's happening. I
0: mean, ideally, what we want is for a conversation that's a difficult one to be able to be had respectfully. Ideally, that's what we all want. We're just talking about, you know, if in certain conversations you can't have that.
1: Yeah, like the game plan is to be healthy, you know, but who knows what happens on the field? There's always so many un- predictable factors that right. are in play
0: and it's hard because in the middle of, a, of a, an emotion with the loved one there's there is a lot of emotion and it's you know it's just tough to sometimes really be vulnerable in the middle of all that because you're afraid of getting hurt you're afraid of the other person not pers- not picking that up and meeting you halfway and they might not even if you're doing everything right the other person still might not be the one to be able to do that
1: yeah and you can't control that
0: you can't control that you could only control yourself um and that's your decision to make on who you choose to be uh, to have consistently in your life
1: yeah and you know that's when you have to evaluate what relationships are worth holding on to what relationships are not healthy for you You know, and it's sometimes hard to like make those decisions, you know, especially if you really do care about the person. But if you realize that there's more negative, more cost than benefit, is a relationship even worth it?
0: And that's the thing where that's easier with, let's say, somebody you're dating or even a husband or wife. But when we're talking about immediate family, brother, sister, aunt, mom, dad those relationships are even tougher because
1: they're involuntarily so like sometimes you don't even have a choice that like like keep him out of your life
0: yeah <laughs> you know sometimes you know there's going to be a family function and they're going to be there and it is what it is so but at least you could start setting some boundaries to try to uh for it to be healthier for you even though that person's always going to be around
1: so yeah you know just to put into terms that the antidote to stonewalling is to you know learn how to relax your body you know like whether that's telling someone hey like i need 10 minutes right now whether that means you going on a walk you going to the restroom you reading a book you doing whatever you 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 know will calm your body everybody knows their body everybody's body reacts differently yes also, a healthy way, you know, <laughs> like right, a healthy right. way to, how to soothe your body. Because if, if your way to soothe your body is drinking a beer. You're like, I'm going to go to the bar now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, that's just
0: going to be more problems like, when you come home. <laughs> 100%. So, yeah, definitely yeah. be
1: mindful of it. But that's how you can combat defensiveness. It just takes time, obviously, because this is a long-term thing that's being made. But one thing that we, so actually we talked about all the four-horse media apocalypse and how to, and their antidotes, how to work through it. A thing to be mindful of when it comes to just relationships is the golden rule. Gottman's golden rule.
0: Right. So the the golden rule is really just w- what he said was the magic ratio is five to one. What does that mean? What that means is that for every one negative feeling or interaction between you and another person, there must be five positive feelings or interactions. So stable and happy couples share more positive feelings and actions than negative ones. So let's say that you're in a relationship with a sister, cousin, mom, dad, aunt, whoever it is, and they have one of the, you know, the the um, horsemen, right? One of those characteristics is really strong for them. Okay, one of them. But then you also go back to the magic five to one ratio where they have five, that you have five positive feelings for this person well you know what they really do show their love you know very giving um you know they're always there when you need them etc etc so they have five important and or positive qualities to this one negative quality
1: but don't be near the area when she brings up her husband or something like that you know like (laughs) there's that one thing that like that is like a toxic you know or not the best characteristic just also that's good to be mindful of right right you know right but yeah like one thing i want to like talk about with the five to one ritual as well is also like what do the interactions what can they mean you know because obviously sometimes i feel like the negative interaction is usually highlighted or um a little bit more extreme mm-hmm. you know compared to the five positive reaction like the, po- the five positive interactions right but the five positive interactions could be very like little baby steps yeah. you know but they yeah. but they add up you know and one way to do this is uh john Gottman actually created this uh the idea of a bid b i d, a bid and a bid is essentially uh an attempt crew to create a connection with the person whether that like and that has to do with the love languages that you have Mm -hmm. you know if you try to give a person a hug if you you try to tell them that you love them if you try to get them breakfast if you try to send
0: them a sweet text
1: yeah you know or like wash their car like any bid any attempt to make a connection is a good one you know and then there's obviously like you could either lean towards the bid you know reciprocate the energy Mm -hmm. or avoid it and like not even acknowledge it right you know but That's like, that's a kind of way you can look at the five to one ratio is look at the little things, the little efforts that are being put into the relationship.
0: Right. Right. By that other person. Yeah. Yeah. And that way you, and let's, let's, let's be real. Like we're all human. Nobody's perfect. Nobody ever will be. Um, We all have positive qualities and we all have negative qualities. And so, you know, when you have a relationship with another human being, Yes, we're going to look at their negative qualities, but also weigh out all of the positives because we all have positives. Unfortunately, we all have negatives, too. But are those negatives bigger than the positives? And will they weigh the positives out? And I think that's one of the things that you can think about.
1: Yeah. You know, and like, yeah, sometimes, you know, being in a positive, healthy relationship can be boring. (laughs) And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, you know, because it's
0: absolutely not a bad thing. Yeah,
1: And if you crave like.
0: The drama. The
1: drama, like look into yourself. <laughs> like, right. honestly, right. like, you know, because right. that doesn't. Look the, at yourself
0: in the mirror. <laughs>
1: in the long term, that's not going to help you. Absolutely and, not. You know, a way you could find out is through therapy. <laughs>
0: yes, there we go again. Psychology Today. Yep. You know, these are the places where, as a therapist, we really go in, we can really get insightful into a person's being, the way they react to certain situations, to certain relationships. And whether or not they want to change that, then that's when they come to us. And we can really do a deep dive and work through things week by week and give you effective tools that you could try.
1: Yeah, you know, because sometimes it's really difficult to notice these patterns. Absolutely. You know, and that's barely the first step. Like once you notice the patterns, imagine how much work and how long it's going to take for you to get out of those patterns, create new patterns. It's all literally baby steps. You know, it's working out. It's a muscle. It's day by
0: day, like when I have patients in my private practice, I'll give them homework throughout the week and I'll say, okay, on this day, try doing this instead or try, you know, in this scenario or this event that's coming up for you, we're going to do this. And then the thing about therapy is that you are held, you're being held accountable. So, you know, you have your session next week. And you're like, crap. She's gonna ask me about it. You know what I mean? And uh, yes, this is exactly what she told me on this day to do this with this situation and this person. Yes, we're gonna hold you accountable, and I'm gonna be there to ask, okay, what happened? How did it break through? And uh, if you're not accountable, sometimes you won't do it. But because there's there's the process, yeah, the progress in treatment. Um, And if you didn't do it, okay, well, why didn't you do it? And again, those are all things that we go through in treatment and we're a really good support system for some really difficult situations in life.
1: Yeah, I mean cuz sometimes you can't go through alone because you don't know how to. And that's right. totally okay. You know, right. that's why there's people out here who learn how to create a guide, you know, learn yeah. how to just kind of like show you in the right direction. They're not right. going to tell you, "Hey, what, take you know, like take a a step to the right three uh three feet three feet to the right (laughs) you know one foot to the left you know like they're not gonna tell you exactly step by step but they're gonna tell you hey like look north you know like just try to go north
0: right right yeah because life is hard life is really hard i mean everybody's going through their own battles whether it's one thing or another that's that's why i love my job because life is really hard and we all need help and support and positive energy and just you know just quality time with our loved ones that's what counts at the end of the day we all live we're all gonna die and the moments that we take with us that's what counts in life and so with our loved ones you know the quality of relationships is important and if you want to improve that these are all good things to do as a reflection
1: word (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what else to say to that. Oh, my God. Always spitting amazing things. Yeah. Wow.
0: Um, I think that another thing that we could also uh, explore a little bit is the Gottman gaslighting. Yes. So gaslighting is an insidious form of emotional abuse. It involves the denial or warping of another person's reality. And this weapon is very common those who have narcissism. Okay, so uh, d- the gaslighting, I think that's something that's been very, uh, a popular word in, you know, society yeah, nowadays. Yeah, it
1: definitely grew in popularity within the last 5-10 years, you know. Right. And, you know, part of it is because it tends to be a pretty um, present behavior in toxic relationships, especially with the man gaslighting a woman. Right. You know, like that, that, like whenever I do think of gaslighting, I think of that particular situation of a man doing it to a woman.
0: And I think about it not necessarily in a man to woman, but any relationship, a sister to a brother, and, you know, a friend to a friend. You know, I definitely broaden it because I see it in my private practice. Um, But this really involves the denial or warping of another person's reality. So let's say that. You know, me and my nephew are here and there's a glass in front of us and this glass is red. And then he tells me, no, it's green when in front it's, it's in the middle of us right now. And I see that it is currently red (laughs) and that's gaslighting where it's something that I, that I see and it's real yet. He's telling me, no. No. It is green, and that is his reality for whatever reason. And it's, but it's not real. Like he is wrong, <laughs> you know? So that's gaslighting where you know you are right, and the other person is bluntly um, lying.
1: Yeah. Minimizing
0: I mean, the situation.
1: It is. Yeah. And I, the reason why I thought of like man and woman mm-hmm. is happens a lot with people getting like, like in infidelity. You know, when there's then there's situation relationships where like one person is cheating and, you know, in order to not get caught, they're just saying like, no, you're putting you're you're lying. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, you're putting things in your head like you're crazy. Yes,
0: you're crazy. What are you talking about? I was doing this and that. Yeah. And the other person's like, no, you weren't. And if a person is emotionally abusive. To a certain extent, the victim will eventually question themselves they're like well wait a minute was i right was yeah I mean you know what maybe yeah he, he was at work late that night you know what i mean like if that other person is so believable because they're lying through their teeth so good and so much that they're experts at it that to a certain extent the other person can start questioning even their own reality
1: yeah narcissism is scary like it is
0: scary <laughs> yeah It is scary. And, you know, that's important for people to just keep an eye out for that. You know what I mean? Um, A a person that is narcissistic is a person that thinks about themselves. It's me, 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 and all about me. Yeah. All the time.
1: And, you know, a thing about gaslighting as well that, I mean, it's, it's very much interconnected with these four horsemen, you know? But... About, like, the thing about gaslighting where it's... You're not acknowledging how the other person feels, you know? Right, yes. if, If you're trying to debunk, if you're trying to, like, to... You know, if you're trying to, like, to throw the reverse card, make them feel crazy. Like you're not validating their feelings. And and validation of feelings is one of the most important aspects of a relationship, especially with conflict resolution.
0: Absolutely. Like,
1: even if you don't feel that the person is, it's like, you don't, even if you don't agree, you know, personally with what the person is saying, you have to acknowledge what they're saying and acknowledge their feelings because if they're they're bringing it up to you, it has to be important to them.
0: And now we're going back to tying it with the four horsemen. Yeah, criticism, criticism. Yeah, eye statements.
1: Defensiveness. Eye
0: mm-hmm. statements, and how important that is in the communication of relationships.
1: Yeah, and you know that's what That's that's the thing about you know these communication concepts is that they are they're very broad, very general, but they're also extremely complex because everyone's situation is completely different. You know their context is completely different, so right. it really has to like go down to what do you know? You know, like how do you feel about this? Like, how much do you understand of the situation? Like, if you understand that, like, what you're doing, that what if you understand that the other person isn't validating your feelings, like right, that's right. something that needs to be brought up, you know? And if you understand that this person is not gonna acknowledge or take any responsibility, right? What's that gonna lead you to do?
0: Right. And if you're dealing with a person who isn't going to acknowledge it, like Caesar said right now, the next question is okay, well, what can I do for myself to set up appropriate boundaries for myself? Because we can't control other people. We could only control ourselves. So I know with this person, I'm not going to be able to get the validation and have them meet me halfway. So what I'm gonna do is okay. Well, now I'm gonna start setting these boundaries when and if I'm around this person, and you've tried and it just hasn't worked, and that's okay. But you can still try to have those boundaries in order to protect your own self. Agreed. Mm -hmm.
1: So we have talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you know, and I remember when I first uh, I called texted you about this idea. I'm pretty sure the name of it was like, what? Like, yes. of course, in the apocalypse. I'm like,
0: okay, what what is this? What are yeah, we like, going how, how, how am I
1: related to this? I'm like, like wait,
0: are we going to need our Bibles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no,
1: exactly. And, you know, as now that the conversations ended, it makes so much more sense now, you know, just because of the context that we created for right. this topic. Right. And that's something that I have been learning to do in communication studies you know going to school for this and i personally see extreme value you know to what is being done by john gottman you know and what's being done by allowing us to put names into things right because this these are easy things that you 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 notice people go through every single day every human yeah so you know me going to school for communication studies and allowing me to find have a resources like this to find and put names into things so that there could be a better way to be aware of them right because it's all about just increasing the awareness of them right. and one way to do that is through academia through vocabulary through terms you know right. but like i have a question for you with you know with your life practice and kind of going back to me and how I went to what I went to school for what are like how do you feel about this part of academia now communication studies being able to allow an awareness into things that we do every day
0: I think it's great I think it's great because we can learn and grow and having that self-awareness we can help ourselves with our daily living, our relationships in life um, and spreading the word and helping others be aware of it. um, I think it's really positive.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's, it it is, uh, you know, it, it's very, very strange. I would have never thought or guessed when I was a kid that I would become so passionate and be an advocate for communication. You know, I right. wouldn't thought that I will be the one to sit down, have, have difficult conversations with my family, be a mediator to an extent mm-hmm. of like acknowledging, look, this is what you feel. This is what this, like they feel. What, what if you meet in the middle by doing this? Right. You know? Pe- like, yeah.
0: And I, I see it in regards to your podcast and the topics and the people that you invite to your podcast to have conversations. I see how passionate you are about communications, about relationships, about life, and exploring difficult topics sometimes that are, you know, uh, not easy for just anybody to talk about. Um, And you're definitely open and willing to really discuss any topic and any person, whether they be similar to you or the exact opposite of you, That doesn't matter. You have an open door to having all of these conversations. And I think that's a learning for everybody, you know, because we all have our own battles that we deal with and our own judgments. We're all human. And by you having these open conversations and, uh, you know, sometimes difficult topics that not everybody's ready to talk about, but maybe ready to hear about it. And that's a first little baby step. I think that's excellent, and I think um, you're doing a great job, and I'm really proud of you.
1: Thank you. That (laughs) means so much. Wow, that is so nice. Um, And, you know, to be honest, I have to thank you for, like, so much, you know, not just with your support with me, you know, with this podcast, but just everything you've done, you know, everything you're doing for people, for society. You know, something that therapists, I don't think they get a lot, is enough praise for the sacrifice that they do cuz you know you are sacrificing your life to listen and like carry a lot of weight of other people. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a powerful thing and not everybody's built for that. And no. for some reason you are.
0: <laughs> you know, for some reason I am and that's where I think once again we go to our core values as human beings and one of my core values is you know, my belief in God. And when I was in high school, I remember talking to God about guiding me appropriately in college so that I could um, make the right choices for my life. And I had a conversation with him, you know, in in my own solitude. Um, And I have him to thank for so that he guided me appropriately. And I don't take it for granted. I feel blessed and I am very happy with my career and my job The fact that I can help children who are in foster care and who have gone through difficult situations that no child should go through at no fault of their own. Um, That's, I think, a a job that just brings so much. um, uh, What's the word? Um, Like, I'm just thankful to have it. And I'm thankful that I can help the kids um, because it needs the job is really needed life is hard
1: yeah no it's I, I agree it's definitely something that's necessary you know and it's powerful that you are you've been called to this and you answered you know it's something yeah. that's sometimes it's difficult to find your calling you know yeah. because but yeah. you know it all depends on how deep you look and some people you know like try, don't really pay attention too much you know some people really do right and it all just matters like that just kind of creates the type of person that you are you know and i'm glad to be blood related to you Aww, we, we you. share some genes together you I know? know
0: we have similarities i don't know if you guys can tell who are listening but we definitely do
1: yeah definitely chemistry as well yes. and yeah and yes. I, I just want to say thank you for giving me your time your mind you know for today i really hope some people may have learned something new from this yeah and you know if Like, I'm not just saying this because she's my aunt, but I genuinely believe that what she's doing here is important. And if you need some guidance, if you're interested in therapy, please search her up. Float her medal on Psychology Today. 15-minute free consultation. You know, get to know what type of person she is. Get to know what type of person you are. Saying 15 minutes out loud of what are some things that you might need to work on is also a baby step that could take you a long way. Right. And I, and
0: I work with trauma a lot. I work with child abuse, sexual abuse, neglect, emotional abuse. And then as you see now with adults relationships and the topic today was a key aspect to what I do in treatment. So, um, if anybody needs any help, even if you don't look me up specifically, but psychology today, it's definitely a first step.
1: Yes. And with that being said, I think this is going to conclude today's episode. If you like her, leave a five-star review. Give me your thoughts. If you have any questions for her, please send me a message. We would lo- I would love to do another Q&A with her. You know, like we can just ask questions that you've asked that you, the, the audience, may have, and we can talk about them. We did that with the second episode. You know, and this is barely our third episode. I have a lot more ideas with her. If you like this, let us know because I have more ideas of other concepts in communication studies that have to do with relationships that could benefit, you know, from the analysis of a therapist.
0: Yeah, we could even have uh, some of the listeners send you questions, and then I'm more than happy to answer things objectively and with you know confidentiality no names will be said yeah um for me to be able to give my expertise and the kind of work that i do
1: yes totally so yeah with that being said you could find me on instagram twitter at zenith underscore podcast you could find me on tiktok now at find zenith it's it's pretty new but give it some time it's gonna grow just like we as people are always gonna grow in time and with that being said my name is caesar i'm here with lodo romero and thank you for being here i appreciate you and i hope to see you next time you know where to find me at the zenith goodbye